1: Started. We got a few more people here now. That's good. Excellent. At one point, I thought it was going to just be me. So it's good to get started. So we got those that are online too. Welcome. Uh, so look forward to to talking tonight. We're going to be getting into uh, uh, to Genesis again. So uh, I'm excited to to come back today. Uh, you know, we've been going through the book of Genesis uh for, for the first six days in particular. Uh and uh it's been a lot of fun. It's it's been pretty deep. I think we've been sort of looking at it from a very sciencey, mathematically, you know, way, uh intertwining that with the scriptures, so I think that's been very good. Um and tonight will be, you know, pretty similar, uh won't be too different. Uh tonight we're gonna be in Genesis one twenty-four through two three, okay? So we're going to cover the sixth and pretty much the seventh day. We're going to catch the, the first part of that. So uh, as I normally do, we'll, we'll get into a quick recap just to kind of go back through and bring us up. So back in day one, uh, we talked about uh, the creation of light and really how we sep- God separated light from darkness uh, when he commanded that to come into play. We, in day two, we hit on the creation uh, of the sky, Uh, the hydrosphere as well as the ocean. So we had the water canopy around and then we had the ocean water. And then on day three, we saw the separation of land and sea. And actually with that land, we saw the the creation of vegetation. So God created that vegetation. And then we saw in in day four, uh, the creation of everything else outside of our world, beyond, right? So the moon and the stars and the galaxies and just this epic, beautiful wonder that exists out there. Um, And then finally, in day five, last time I was up here, which was a couple months or so ago, uh, we saw the creation or the first commanded creation of living creatures, in particular those that were in water, uh, as well as the birds of the air. And so, you know, as I recap this, I was... uh, uh, Thinking about you know a story that I read as uh, as I was doing my research, and I thought it was it was it was a good a good point to kind of start out a little humor so um, so to recap you know in our last session, we saw that as I said, God created the sea creatures and the flying creatures and so forth, and we also learned that um, God put a lot of information into the DNA structure of our bodies and of the animals you know and so forth uh, that is code if you will it's like explicit instructions on how everything is, is supposed to work. Uh, and it dealt with each kind being the same kind, but with variability, right? So things could be a little bit different. So, for instance, we know that domesticated fowl, uh, like chickens and turkeys and pheasants, they would fall in that. They're kind of land birds. You know, they they can fly, but they don't fly a lot. They typically stay on the ground, and they and they stay running around on the ground. So, This brings me to a very well-known question that I'm sure we've all heard, okay? So, which came first? All right, the chicken or the egg? So, I think with all of the studying that we've done up to this point, being that we're in the sixth day, we can definitively answer this question uh, with the knowledge that we've learned thus far, right? So, you know, God today, uh, as descendants of the uh, original chickens, you know, they, are, they were created and they are descendants of the original chickens, right? So the chickens that God created at the time, you know, the, the DNA shows that they're there. And we'll, we'll actually look at a study on that a little bit later. We also know that, you know, he created these flying creatures and one of the commands that he gave them was to multiply, okay, on the earth. So the chicken would have, following God's command, laid the egg afterwards, uh, therefore, I think that it's safely to uh, be sure that the chicken actually came before the egg. So, amen. So, thought that would be a little bit of a little bit of humor. So, but let's get into to you know where we're going to go here and what we're going to do and uh, talk about uh, these last few uh, uh, days here or the last day here. So, let's dive into Genesis. We're going to get into. Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to kind of break this up, there's several scriptures, so we're going to get into 24 and 25, verse 24 and 25, and we'll do that first, and then we'll kind of work our way through it slowly. So, so I read in 24, uh, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Now, (coughs) excuse me, after animals were created, and, and, you know, (coughs) getting over a cold or something, um, (coughs) and were given to the air, and uh, the water on the fifth day, there was just one more day left for divine creation to happen, right? So there's we've got one more day, and then we know God rests, right? So now we have got to deal with all the animals that would live on the land, okay? So for these animals of the air and sea, it's interesting in in, in the in the text there, uh, the it says that God used the word created, right? So if we see that in Genesis one twenty one, God created the great sea creatures, and every living thing that moves, okay? But in this text, it's a little bit different, right? God said, um, he he really kind of relates to made. He said, God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures. So it's not created anymore, it's actually bring forth. So I thought that was was interesting. So I kind of dug at that a little bit and and wanted to understand it a little bit more. And so this is what I kind of came up with. So you might you might think that this means that land animals are somehow more special because they were, you know, they were brought forth, right? Deserving maybe something different, maybe a higher level of divine action. But I don't really think that's the case. Um, I believe the word "created" was used on the fifth day, and I think it was really describing every living thing at the point in time when God said that on the fifth day, uh, not just the sea and the air creatures. Those are the ones that that manifested on that day. But really, on the sixth day, the land animals were just made because you didn't need to create them again. They, the, the, all of the material, all all of the the matter, if you will, the the nutrients in the ground, all the things that were needed, they already existed and they were already in place after that first command of creation. So they were just formed up because we're all made up, all you know, animals and humans. You know, we're all made up the same way, right? So I think these land animals, land. Animals were simply just a new arrangement of these types of materials, Um, and that's how that sort of came to be. Um, You know, we're all, in essence, as I said, built on the same biochemical structure. Uh, You know, we're they're very similar. You know, in in the way uh, organisms, you know, human organisms as well as animal organisms, how they how they work. Okay, but as we move on, we also see in the scripture that. God typed these animals, right? He, he made it very clear, and he came up with three specific different types. He said there were cattle, there were creeping things, and then there were the beasts of the earth. These are the, what he called out specifically in, in the scripture. So, and I think this really covers pretty much all the land animals as, as a structure. Uh, I think cattle probably referred to animals like uh, the domesticated animals, you know, cows and, and even, you know, dogs, things like that, right? Any, any of the animals that exist today uh, that would be domesticated, if you will. And I think the beasts of the earth probably referenced wild animals like lions and elephants, you know, maybe dinosaurs as well, right? We, I, I don't know that for sure, but that makes sense. Uh, And then creeping things probably included things like insects and smaller reptiles, uh, maybe amphibians, small mammals, things like that. Um, I know this way of grouping doesn't really uh, match the scientific classification of today where it's basically amphibians and reptiles and mammals. Um, However, to be honest, I think it's kind of a more natural way of actually categorizing the way God has done this. And, And it kind of aligns better to human interests. Um, we can actually see in Leviticus eleven twenty nine where God actually groups mammals and reptiles in the text uh, together as creeping things of the earth. So let's let's read that. So it says here in Leviticus uh, eleven twenty nine, it says, "These also shall be unclean for you among the creeping things that creep on the earth: the mole, the mouse. Okay, mammals, right? Fur, uh, give live birth." Um, uh, the large lizard, uh, after its kind, 30 geckos, the monitor lizard, the sand reptile, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. So he grouped all of these things together as things that creep, right? So it goes with that categorization that we see. I also think um, it's interesting that all three categories of these different land animals uh, were all made simultaneously. Right. So when God brought it forth, they all came forth at once, I believe. I you know, it was a command that was made and, and that's what happened, right? It all it all came together. Um I think that uh, you know there's there's really no connection to the kind of made up idea of the evolutionary order. Uh, that really follows like insects, amphibians, reptiles, then mammals you know as an order of how things evolved, if you will, um, as a matter of fact, I think it sort of places insects and amphibians and land reptiles all before the birds right so so the birds actually came before in god 's word, so it doesn 't it doesn 't make sense it doesn 't fit right together with that. it means that um, you know. Uh, that one kind cannot really evolve into a different kind um, just because it sets off the order, right? We were made after his kind, as God said. I mean, if we remember in day five, we talked about that. There was a a, a question from a senior genetics researcher, which I thought was really interesting, and I had quoted from the book. But the question was asked, do mutations ever give rise to uh, purposeful genetic information, new information. And the geneticists, with all of their years of experience in studying, uh, came back with that emphatic answer of saying, never, right? Never. That can't happen. We've learned that now. We know that. And which flies in the face of evolution? You know, we, we learned from that that mutations always lead to damaged DNA. You know, the DNA itself breaks down each time there's a mutation. Uh, therefore, it's loss in genetic information, not new information being created. So, each type of organism has its really own unique structure. It has its own DNA code. Uh, and it's very specific for its reproduction of the same kind. And personally, being a software developer, that's what I do for, for my living, I've been spent 30 years writing code. I mean, I, I, I love writing code. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy it. Um, but it gives me an appreciation for what's happening inside there. I do understand it, obviously, at a very simplistic level compared to God. But it is very interesting to be able to see, you know, those thought patterns and how that works. The way to put it in kind of layman's terms, if you will, would be the App Store. Everybody's familiar with the App Store. You know, an app that exists on the App Store, it doesn't evolve and become something that you want it to be just because you want it to be. Right. You're, you go on there and look for it. It's not going to change because I'm looking for something different. It requires a designer. It requires somebody to think about how it's supposed to work and then code that and then make that available to everybody else. And that's exactly what God did, you know, for us in our structure, in our DNA and how things are made up. But when we talk about after his kind, this is exactly what he's talking about in Genesis, right? He's talking about things that were put together that can't be something else. You know, in essence, a rose can never become a daisy. A rose will be a rose will be a rose, right? So, therefore, all these land animals, right, that were created now, they were brought forth, you know, from from the ground, uh, and their bodies were composed of the same elements of the earth. um, This we know. When they died, they went back to the earth, just like we do. You know, same thing, organic structures, okay? And, you know, this is the way that it is. But what's really interesting is this sort of sets the foundation. So now we have everything in place, okay? We have the birds, and we have the sea animals, and and we have vegetation, and we have all this amazing earth that exists of these creations that God has made. And it sets the, the, the foundation for the next big chapter which is humans right the human is next in this story so as we move on in genesis 1 26 and 27 we see then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish in the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. So, as we read that scripture, the first thing that kind of jumped out at me when I was looking at it was the very first part of it. Right? It's really kind of an intriguing in the opening verse. In the earlier parts of the Bible, especially in creation, when Something was created by God, we saw let a uh, God said, Let there, let it be, or it, you know, let there be light, right? Let there be wind, let there be air, you know, all these things. He just he commanded these things, right? But in this verse, God just seems like he's talking to himself, right? If you if you listen to that word, right? It's saying, Let us, with the us being capital in the text, right, let us us make man in our, again, our being capital as well, uh, uh, let us make man in our image after our, again, capital O, likeness. So, you know, he wasn't talking to angels because, you know, it's clear humans were supposed to be created to look like God. I mean, he just, that's what we just read. So not like angels, we're we're different. Uh, so I think God must have really kind of been speaking to Himself, or in essence, to another part of Himself. We know that God, you know, is made up of more than it's the three, right? So, but there was a conversation that seems like was happening here. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, to see that we see that in other areas. For instance, in the New Testament, we see uh, a good example of that with Jesus uh, in Matthew eleven twenty seven. Uh, where Jesus is kind of talking very similar, very same way, right? And th- and that reads, Jesus was saying in twenty-seven, uh, Matthew eleven twenty-seven. He said, "All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son again, you know, Jesus, except the Father God. Nor does anyone know the Father God, except the Son Jesus, right?" Um, and, though, uh, and, and the one who, uh, to whom the Son, Jesus, you know, refers to uh, reveal Him, will, wills to reveal Him. So again, very similar kind of conversation sort of going on there that Jesus is having in the way that the text is written. So it stood out to me. I thought it was interesting. Um, something I definitely want to study deeper. Um, but I do believe, you know, be, before the start of time, before time even began, uh, I think God already had a focus on us, on humanity. I mean, time has no bound to God, right? Um, he, he, we existed. I think already in His vision and His plan before uh, we ever existed, before probably even the earth existed. He already knew all these things. We see in Second uh, Timothy one nine where it says, uh, "Who has saved us and called us." with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So we see that before time began, this existed. So I found that, again, very interesting. So, but as we go on, you know, another part of this that really grabbed my attention was how strongly God repeats that God made humans look like Him. He repeated it three times, right? Just in that little bit of Scripture. Three times He stated that we were to be created like God, in God's image, right? Three times. That repetition seems to be very significant to me, very important. You know, animals were not created in God's image. They're different, right? But humans were. So, what does it actually mean to be created in God's image? Well, I think if you were to go to the zoo, try to have a conversation with an ape at the zoo, you would probably find out really quickly what it means to be created in God's image. You know, humans are much more complicated. It's not just the physical body aspect of it, but it's the mental capabilities that we have. Um, We can think logically. We can reason with problems and solve them. Uh, We can communicate through language. Uh, but not just basic things, but very complex ideas through language in multiple languages, right you know unlike animals that maybe could use like a uh, a simple object like a stick or a rock or something, we can actually uh, create uh, use tools and then use tools to create tools right so this is This is a very different thing about human beings you know we're, We can build you know beautiful buildings we can. Uh, You know compose music we can create artwork we can invent machinery These are all things that the human being has been able you know to do so we're we're special You know animals don't do these things, but we do. I also think that humans do have a moral compass Um, I think that's been put into us and and we can tell the difference between right and wrong whether we listen to that or not That's a different story, but we absolutely have the ability to understand the difference between these things Romans 2.15 um, talks about that. It says, who, um, uh, who show the works of the law written in the hearts, um, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. So there's that concept of being able to understand good and bad, right and wrong, make decisions sort of in that way. I think the other aspect is that humans are capable of love. Love in a much deeper way. I mean, I know my, my uh, little grand doggy loves me, but it's different when humans love humans, right? It's, it's much deeper. But sadly, uh, because we live in a world that's tainted with sin, this also means that cruelty exists as well. Uh, and, and hate exists as well. But uh, overall, I think these qualities make up what means what it means to be created in god 's image these are the things that that sort of make that up, um, but it 's also important to understand that God is spirit too, right God is not limited to a physical body, of course, um, like us, uh, which is why he can be omnipresent and be everywhere at once right so there 's the spirit side we see that in john four twenty four where uh, Jesus says. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. But, in the context of being made in God's image, I think it's important to note that God does have a body like us, because the Bible tells us so. And we know a few things that are interesting about God regarding that, which I think I found interesting. So, for example, God laughs. I wouldn't have thought that until I was studying this, but in Psalm two four, it says, He, meaning God, who sits in the heavens, shall laugh. So God laughs. God can see. We know that. Proverbs 15.3 is a good example. It says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on evil and the good. We also see that God smells. It says in Genesis 8.21, uh, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. So, God can smell. We know that God hears, for example. In John, uh, uh, 1 John 5.14, it says, Now, this, uh, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So we know God can hear. We also know God can speak. 2 Peter 1.18 says, And we heard this voice which came from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And then we also know God touches. Uh, I found a representation of this in Genesis thirty-two thirty-two, uh, 32 with, with Jacob. Um, towards the end of that verse it says, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. So God can touch, right? Physically. So... Now, what does this wonderful, amazing God that we are made in His image do next? Well, in Genesis 1.28, He goes on to say, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the earth. So, after creating Adam and Eve in His own image... Um, God blessed them and then gave them a directive to be fruitful and to multiply. So this was an article that I found that I read and was interesting and so I'm going to talk a little bit about it because it ties perfectly into this. And it was a study, it was a secular study that was done pretty recent, uh, within the last year. Um, And it was uh, out of Rockefeller University uh, and the University of Basel in Switzerland. They jointly together worked on this thing. And it was a bunch of DNA researchers. And they basically studied over 5 million animals, uh, including um, uh, humans in the animal, you know, within the kingdom there. So they studied over 5 million different uh, animals, including humans. And they came to three sort of main conclusions that I found really interesting. One is, they found that all humans came from the same male and female parents. When you boil it all down, we all came from the same pair. We're all related, okay? They also found that in every nine, uh, every nine out of ten animals in this study of five million, you know, animals, uh, uh, they come from the original uh, nine out of ten. I'm sorry, come from the original creature. So, which I think makes sense. We'll talk about that in a second. And they also found that humans have very low genetic diversity or low uh, variance within the species, like many of the Amples. So I found that this was you know, funny that they're writing about this and that it was shocking and groundbreaking and when it came out. And of course, they, they gave no uh, reference to God at all you know, within, within that context. But, uh, but what uh, was interesting is that this has been written in the Bible for thousands of years. We've already known this, right? Um, but what 's interesting is that what they found was that we all come from the same parent, and then from a human perspective, the variants are very little in our change. so we might look different, different hair, different eyes you know those are the variations that can exist within us, but say my kidney to somebody else 's kidney you know those types of things can be done today. There are certain types and stuff that happen there, but we can transplant certain things you know from one human to another human so from a makeup and how we 're made up we're all very genetically the same we're all related and they found in the study that it all links back to this these two pair which is Adam and Eve as we would know in the Bible Um, so I think that's that's quite interesting Um, but as we go on you know from from that you know the population side of it and this this directive to populate the earth I think you know some people would argue that um, if we Take the biblical directive to be fruitful and multiply, and this is very true in, in today 's you know, secular world okay that it would result in an overpopulation you know, of humans and animals you know that there would be too many of us now, I believe that you know, our all powerful God has a plan for all of this, and i don 't uh, believe in that in any way whatsoever um, I also think that, you know, it's interesting to put into context. I think Pastor Joe a while back talked about this a little bit, but I did a little uh, homework here, and I think it will be something that is interesting to actually look up. So it's like a little exercise. So it's a population exercise. And so what's really kind of important here is that If you go and do the math, okay, and you look at the total population, and this study that I pulled from, the data I pulled from was 7.8 billion as of January 2022, okay? 7.8 billion people in the entire world, okay, that exist. Now, um, if we were to take, I don't know if everybody knows what a sheet of plywood looks like, but it's four foot by eight foot, but if you cut it in half, you have a four foot by four foot square, so it's a pretty good sized square. If it's on the floor and you're standing in it, you could do a waltz you know, in it. So you've got room. So we're not just like shoulder to shoulder. It's four foot by four foot. So if we round that up to eight billion people and we take a four foot by four foot square that we stand in, uh, and we do the math, we'll see that we need 32 billion square feet okay, to fit all eight billion people. okay. So... Now what's interesting is if we look at New Jersey, because you see the picture that I have up there, New Jersey's uh, 8,722-ish square miles, okay, give or take, uh, in size, and there's a little over 27 million square feet in each square mile. So when you do the math and you calculate that, that's uh, 243 billion square feet. So you can kind of see where I'm going. you got 32 billion and 232 billion. That means that you could take the entire population of the world and fit it into about a seventh of the state of New Jersey. So what does that visually look like? It looks like this, right? So it would just take up about that much space where, where the New Jersey walls are. You could fit the entire population of the world there. Now, if this population grew by seven times, like if you multiplied that number by seven times, it still would only fill the state. So when you think about overpopulation and our current, our world and how big it is and how much um, uh, resources that exist that God created for us, we're not overpopulated. It's impossible to be overpopulated. I think with better management and responsibility and things like this, things that don't exist today in our governments uh, around the world, uh, we could we would we could deal with. Creating enough food for everybody with an abundance of even more uh, we have the resources God gave it to us. The real issue really around this is around human behavior and some of the things that are going on you know it's selfishness that ultimately creates hunger and poverty it's sin that causes these problems um, it's greed that causes hunger and poverty in the world you know the ultimate solution really I think according to to my viewpoint lies in God, right? If we were as people, if our leaders would follow God's teaching, go to God for guidance, uh, would use his principles and apply them, you know, to our lives, well I think we would have a much better world. You know, things would be in a lot better place. But we're we're not overpopulated. Amen. So, as we move on though, now uh, let's see, back to the message. Not only uh, did God give us uh, his first instructions, right, be fruitful and multiply, uh, but God also set some order in place to the kingdom, to, to, the, to the world that we live in. He took us as uh, the most complex uh, uh, intellectual creatures, if you will, that we are, and he set us with dominion over the rest over the animals of the sea and the air and the land, right? It says in, in the Scripture, subdue it and have dominion. You know, this is is something that's called the, the dominion mandate. So, um, you know, now I think that um, what that really means is not that we were, you know, to rule with an iron fist. It's more that we're caretakers, right? We're responsible for this creation that God created and to overlook it. This was true in the garden, and it's true even after sin. Um, I think we all had jobs. I mean, he gave Adam and Eve jobs to do in the garden. You know, they were to name uh, the various animals and the plants and all these. They had jobs to do. Now, when sin set in, that changed. Our jobs got much harder, uh, much more challenging, if you will. Uh, and that's all due to, to the sin uh, that we knew would come, um, or that God knew would come. Um, But, you know, we still, you know, we worked. I think the idea of dominion is meant that, you know, humans are to be good stewards of the environment, right? Not in the sense of some of the crazy environmentalist sort of things that we hear talking about climate change and things that we know don't necessarily exist. You know, we 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 can look at, you know, the true facts and the data and see that those things don't exist but in a sense of just being a conservative, being a good person, being a person that takes care of things, that takes care of what God has created. You know, the earth belongs to God. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the, uh, the world and those who dwell therein. You know, we are gods. We belong to Him. And He's instructed us to take care of what He's put in place for us. Um, contrary to, I think, what some uh, modern environmentalists might say, I don't think that humans are the force that are ruining the earth. Um, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think the, the earth itself uh, can sustain anything that really comes at it, and it, it's not going to be us. Um, we've talked about how God is aware you know of everything, and he understands even the sparrow, right? That falls, you know. And it, God sees this, and of course, he sees us even greater than that sparrow. Uh, Luke 12 uh, six through seven says, um, "Are are are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins?" This is Jesus, um, and not one of them is forgotten by God. He tells us, but the very hairs, or lack thereof, as they're falling out, uh, on my head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. That's us. His creation. But He's given us that responsibility to take care of of earth. Um, And I think that we need to to make sure that we're doing those types of things. According to Bible, um, God has already laid out how the world will come to an end. And it's not climate change, in my opinion. Uh, it 's through divine judgment involving fire, and uh, none of these factors you know into us you know doing that now in genesis eight twenty two I think there 's a promise too it came after the flood, and God said there he said, While the earth remains this is after the flood, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, uh, day and night. It shall not cease I think that it shall not cease it will exist it's a promise it was made and if God makes a promise we know that God will keep his promise so I don't believe humans will destroy the earth I mean there's other things at play that will come into that and uh, preferably the rapture will have taken us all home um, However, it's uh, crucial to find a balance between all of this. Um, I think it's important. You know, there are things that we do need to do. We do need to be good stewards. We need to take care of what God has blessed us with. And it could be simple. Picking up garbage, you know, litter you see on the street, or cleaning up oil spills and, and reducing pollution. There's nothing wrong with that. Pollution is not a good thing. So any of these things that we can be doing are important. But I do think that whatever we do do, it needs to be the betterment for humanity. And God gave us all these resources to use. And these are resources that we should use and continue to use. Amen? All right. So, um, after this commission, God gave us, uh, there's one last piece here that we'll start to get into as we get closer here. It says, God told him uh, about the provisions for the most essential uh, needs and that was food right so we read in genesis one twenty nine through 29-30 and it says and god said see i have given you every herb that yields seed uh, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food also to every beast of the earth to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth uh, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Now, I looked at this and I read this. I have my opinion. I also read several scholars' opinions. I'll go with the scholars for now, but it seems that most of them suggest that uh, both humans and animals, as we read in the scripture, were initially vegetarians. You know, we didn't eat meat. Um, We only ate plants. And according to the Bible, uh, before sin entered the world, there was no death, there was no violence, no bloodshed, okay? Uh, So it would make sense. I mean, logically to me, it makes sense. Um, But I do know there are a lot of people that that think these verses uh, don't apply to that and don't necessarily mean that. Um, I think the contradiction, though, comes in Genesis 9:3, where after the flood, God said, Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. This is the first time that is introduced. And I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. So I think as the green herbs reflects back to what we just read in, in Genesis 1:29, but then he introduced meat at this point. Uh, into our diet um, I think that um, you know as we look at this uh, it seems somewhat to me logically to conclude that we you know we're vegetarians are supposed to be vegetarians but after the flood something changed um, most likely I'm guessing the work got harder uh, it was different you know sin had entered So, we had to work a lot harder. Maybe we needed that extra, uh, you know, protein and nutrients and so forth to do the types of jobs that we were going to have to be doing uh, because we need energy, obviously, to to continue doing what we do. It's the lifeblood of everything. Um, So, but, you know, I think that at some point in the future, uh, when God sets his kingdom back, we we may return back to, you know, a plant based diet, um, which. You know, it's speculative. It's clearly my ideas and what I've read from other scholars, but we don't know. It doesn't say so. But it seems like that might make sense. I do note that uh, there is a very interesting uh, Scripture that kind of ties to that, and I think ties to it quite well. And it's found in Isaiah eleven six through 9 where it says, "...the wolf also will dwell with the lamb." The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and and the wean child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt uh, they, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Um, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So I think that that says a lot right there. Amen? Um, so as we close up, kind of last verses here, um, let's go through Genesis uh, uh, 131. Uh, This is where we kind of come to an end of the sixth day, and God says, uh, Then God saw everything that He had made, and that indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, I believe as we've gone through these six days, God didn't need five billion years uh, to prepare uh, for man, as evolutionists want us to think. I mean, I don't even think God needed the six days, to be honest, but I think he took those 6 days you know for a reason i think there're some reasons and here are my two reasons my reason one is is that he wanted to show how creation fits together how organized everything is in all these logical ways so that we could understand that and 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 really re- respect that if you will but i also believe that he wanted to set also an example for humans we it's talked about all throughout the bible um, that we work six days and we rest on the seventh. So in Genesis chapter 2, 1 and 3, it says, God says, right? He says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended His work, which He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all of His work, which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because, it, it, because in it, He rested from all his work which God had created and made. So, if we taking the day off really uh, on the seventh day uh, to connect with God is, I think, important for our well being. I know I didn't always do that. I would always try to find, oh, I got to mow the lawn, I got to do this, I got to do that. But I know my wife and I have been working a lot more to to reflect on that you know we go to church we come back we kind of relax we, we sort of use that time to sort of recharge and reflect on what we learned and 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 uh, we might spend time with family but it's more of a, a a relaxation sort of point to really recharge and be ready for those next six days and i think by following god's example he encourages us to do that right this is exactly what god did he created all of this in six days and then he rested so i think it's really important for us to reflect on that and to mimic that and follow that, amen. However, as as out of everything we've ever studied, all the science and all the creation, and we're going to start to move into some other areas of Genesis, and they'll probably start moving a little bit faster. But um, I think it there's one truth that I always like to end with, and I think it's super important. You know, it's above all else. All that we studied, all that is interesting and everything, and it's so beautiful. But the most important thing is what we hear in John 3.16. That for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is really, honestly, the only truth that matters to all of us, to anybody online, and anybody that might listen to this video later on. That's what this all boils down to and what matters. You know, we all have to acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have to admit that we're sinners and that we have failed and that we cannot do this on our own. We have to ask God for forgiveness. Um, we have to accept Him into our heart and then we have to turn away you know, from the worldly ways. And this is what really matters. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You now and we just thank You for this message, Lord. We thank You for Your words. Uh, we just give You all the glory and praise for your creation and what you've you've put together for us father and just the beauty there we have barely scratched the surface i can only imagine just how amazing it will be to learn these things and to see these things and to to walk and talk with you uh and and be able to learn uh the real depth of this lord but we just thank you we thank you for loving us more than anything for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins lord we just thank you that we have that. And we just pray now, Lord, that you will just go before each of us tonight and keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Cross. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 30. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.